Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. On the back of your um, bulletin, you can write down notes as well, so don't forget that. That's a good place, and if you need a pen, you can raise your hand. We'll have pens for you. So you can get those books online, but here's a couple other personal favorites that I need to uh, put up there. You know, if you really um, want to get deep into the study, this is a super, uh, this is a great book, Kingdom Prologue. I don't know if you guys heard this book. Uh, it's um, one of the top books in, in uh, theological circles today uh, by a guy named Meredith Klein. Um, I had the honor of actually uh, going to school with his, his uh, son. These guys are like, like stupid smart. It's like crazy. And he loved Jesus. And so, like, if I was that smart, I would think I would be more arrogant than I am now. But these guys, they're actually super humble, and they love, they love the Lord. Um, this book is super dense, so this is not a beach read. Uh, but you would, you would definitely enjoy it. You would learn a ton. I got that. Who did I get that from? I got that from Lindsay Beach Read. I love that. And then here's... Um, and then here's uh, commentaries. There's um, tons of commentaries that you can get out in, um, today. You know, a couple of commentaries I just absolutely love, and I'm going to put these up maybe next week if, if I could be reminded. The New International Greek of New Testament commentary is personally my personal best of any commentary in the New Testament, okay? So New International Greek New Testament commentary. Um, and then uh, the New International commentary of the New Testament and Old Testament um, are, if you're going to get commentary series, are unbelievable. The, new, the N-I-C-O-T and N-I-C-N-T. Um, you can Google those. This right here is, um, I would say, I would do the Greek one first, then this series, then the, um, the N-I-C-N-T um, and O-T. This is the uh, Word book, Biblical Commentary. This is a great series, uh, the Word Biblical Commentary. I have these book up, books up here. You can look at them. Great series, um, great critical research um, and great theologians. So that's just for um, you diving in. And obviously all this supplements the scripture. This does not replace the scripture by any means. Um, overview of Genesis. <clears throat> Notice something. So you have uh, a lot of times we hit Genesis, especially in the first couple of chapters, and people, everything we're really focused on is the science of it, right? I mean, we try not to do it, but we, you know, we have whole ministries that base the whole ministry on the science of, 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 of like parsing and dealing with uh, the first few chapters of Genesis, okay? Now, with deep respect, these, those guys, again, will run circles around us theologically, um, but that doesn't, make, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily right, um, I want to encourage you that the book, the whole focus of the book is, is to really focus in on origins, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But here's the overview in a nutshell. You have the origins of the world, of, right, verse in chapter 1, and then we have the origins of the nations, uh, and then we have the origins of Israel. So basically the book of Genesis is actually trying to lead us somewhere uh, to plant in the, in the first couple of chapters, man, is a huge disservice to what the author intended. Uh, because what, G, what, you know, when you think about it, you think of it, okay, uh, the first couple chapters uh, is, um, I mean, was like three chapters in uh, discussing creation, and basically the whole rest of the book is is a patriarchal history. So why would the author do that? Why would he make most of the book, ninety something percent of the book, patriarchal history if he wants you? Uh, I, I I'm pretty sure when you think of practically, if you're writing something, you give the most information to the stuff you really want people to focus on. It's kind of normal, right? Well, maybe I'm crazy. Um, so overview. Uh, what does Genesis mean? We're going to fly through. Here's the thing. We usually ask questions, you know that, um, when, we're, when we're studying a book. And I want you guys to get your pens out. We need to be th- I want you to be thinking because, uh, again, as we're going through these books, as we're going through John and, and Galatians and now Genesis, man, you can't be like, 
like studying John with us and then studying Galatians and still not know the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Because you're sitting around lollygagging thinking about, you know, Bugs Bunny or something. You need to be, like, engaging with us and making sure that God is using us, like, in our lives. You know what I'm saying? That we're here to fight uh, for truth for the Lord. So, um, so I just want to know, if I'm, if I'm going too fast, let me know. Also, if you have questions, really think to yourself, is this going to be advantageous for the body? Because I'm not going to, I mean, again, I have a view that I, that I feel really comfortable with that I'm going to try and talk you into, okay? I'm just letting you know. At the very same time, there is a ton of views in the beginning stages of Genesis, and I would love for you to research those views. And so I'm not, I don't want to argue. I just wanted to share my heart a little bit. And, uh, and put the focus on what the focus should be, and then we, we, can, like, we can fight at the bar about the nuances, okay? All right. <clears throat> well, that's it. So what does it mean? What, so we have Genesis. So Genesis means in the beginning, right? You guys all know that. Um, so um, now, but what I want to do is look at this. So Genesis is part of the Pentateuch, right, the first five books of the Bible. just want to give us some, some primer stuff, some training wheel stuff before we jump in crazy. So Pentateuch is given the first five books of the Bible. Now, see, Pente meaning five, Tukos meaning volumes, right? So you got um, five volumes. And so basically what the Pentateuch is, is uh, what Genesis is, 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 is one book. So the Pentateuch, one book in five parts, right? Um, and so that's why, uh, even as we talk about in a moment, when you even look at it, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see little mentionings of the book of Moses, um, you'll, you'll, you'll see this here and there, and, and you'll even see Jesus talk about that, and I'll, and I'll show you in a moment. And the point is that uh, eventually it was like one book, uh, and even like the Hebrew, the Hebrew text, even to this day, writes it as one book. Uh, it's not uh, five, five books. So About the author, this is, again, debated. I, if, you, if you're a scholar here, I get it. I understand JDEP and all the different debates, and there's different kind of arguments within uh, the first couple chapters. Um, however, I can't deny the fact that you know, I'm not going to go against Jesus. Uh, he said Moses was the author, okay, in John 5. So if you're mad, just take it up with Jesus and, and not me. <clears throat> as what Jesus says, Jesus mentions Moses as the author. Uh, historically, uh, he's been known as the author. Uh, I, the, what, I, what I can give you, I can give you maybe he compiled a lot of some of the information. Uh, and we obviously know he didn't write about his death because he was dead. So I'm, I'm pretty sure Ezra or some other individuals uh, came and finished out uh, the hard copy. Uh, but for the most part, it seems, I think, seems pretty accurate. And scholarship will lean toward the fact that Moses wrote uh, the Pentateuch or wrote specifically even uh, Genesis. So the theme of Genesis is God. Okay, that wasn't too hard, right? So, so the thing is, I say, that, I say that, and I want us to pause here because I don't want us to get used to this. I mean, the reality a lot of times is we, we go to Genesis, and man, we're trying to find other stuff, right? We're trying to find a lot of stuff that I'm proposing is not the focus of the book. Uh, but God, it's always about God. Is that every, every book you need to be saying, what is this teaching me about God? Right. So what, 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 what is Genesis? So have, have that in your mind as, you're, as, as we're going through the text today. What is this teaching me about the Lord, about King? Like, how is this raising my view of Jesus? All right, fam? Um, be encouraged. When you think of Genesis, uh, it was written, and check this out. So Genesis was written about 1,400 years before the birth of Jesus. Okay? Um, today, so we're about probably 3,500 years removed from the book of Genesis. All right? I'm encouraged because this book has been shared orally or in hard copy for over 3,000 years. It's 
it, this thing is standing the test of time, right? That we have, I mean, that what we have and what we're talking about, the story that we're talking about right now has been talked about. We have entered into a lineage of thousands of years. That is a beautiful thing. So be encouraged. This book has withstood the test of time. Um, and uh, what we're looking at right now is, is God's truth, and I hope we will have hope and we will be inspired um, by uh, what the Lord has done in creation. Putting Genesis into perspective now, the danger in reading this book, or any book, um, is that, particularly Genesis, it is not an exhaustive book, okay? It is a selective history, and that's why you can't, you can't die on creative hills um, in Genesis, because the author's like, really, dude? I wasn't trying to help you understand, like, you know, exactly all these different aspects of how I created this and created that. I mean, think about it. Genesis covers 2,000 years of redemptive history in, in one of the books. 2,000 years. That's more than the history of the canon combined of the whole Bible. So he is not, so the author is very intentional. He, he, he has, a, all authors I always tell people, even as we look at um, our New Testament writings, I'm telling people these are occasional letters. They write them because of occasions. Cat's sinning, and then they say, you sinning, let me write you a letter, right? The occasion was your sin, and then you get a letter. Okay, even here, you get Genesis. He's writing for a particular reason. I would propose that it has something very seriously to deal with. Uh, the Exodus, and understanding the minds and thoughts of the day of the ne- uh, near ancient East. Matt, buddy? Yeah. Uh, that's the book of the Bible. So basically, uh, the canon, they call it a canon because it was formed from all these different other writings and then came together, and they call the scriptures, the whole, what we call the Bible today, the canon. So the whole Bible has less years <coughs> of documentation than Genesis. So it's a selective history. And look at this. The four other books, the four other books in the Pentateuch are only about 120 years in span. So you got Genesis 2,000 years, then you got the, the rest of the Pentateuch is about 120 years. So again, perspective, keeping that perspective as we're looking at what is, so what is Moses trying to say considering this perspective here? Okay, fam? All right. Um, so our goal as we hang out together, right, uh, our goal is to discover the original meaning of Genesis. That's what we want. Now, now don't miss that. See, see, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, uh, you're dangerous, messed up, we're dangerous, messed up Christians when we go to the scriptures and we go, what am I getting out of this? Uh, that's not the concern. It's not about me and it's not about you, right? The goal when you go to the scriptures is what did the author intended me to understand. It's all about the author's intent and us gleaning from the author, Right? That's just how we are as people, right? If, if my kids just walked up to me and I said something to them and they just wanted to go, well, I already said, but I want to do my own thing and I'll be, I'll be an upset dad because I have something I'm trying to share with you and I want you to take that information and do something with it. And if you do something with other information and it's not mine, then, it, then you've done your own thing. And so no matter how spiritual it is or how much it benefits you, if you're not concerned about the author's intent, you still are not obeying God's word. Okay, so that's what we want, right? What it meant to its final editor and its first readers. He wrote to some people, again, where we weren't even in a picture. Again, we're 35 years outside, 3,500 years outside the game. So he wrote to some other people. We need to figure out what that looks like as much as we can um, and be responsible theologians, right? So 
Here's what he's trying to teach us. God is the creator God. Don't miss that, family. What that does, what the Holy Spirit's trying to do as he's teaching this, is he's trying to instill in us hope. If God is the creator God, and he created you and loves you and calls you his son and daughter, then that means everything that you do, all of who you are, is based on this creator God loving you, caring for you. Do you fear protection now? Do you fear that you know, anything that happens will be outside of his control if he loves you? This will build hope. That's the heart. So God is the creator God. He's trying to build hope. I propose he's trying to build hope for these individuals who are right now, you know, they've left this exodus, right? They're, they're wandering through the wilderness. They're into, trying to enter their promised land. They're trying to understand what does it mean to be the people of God. And I, provi- I propose to you uh, that he's trying, to, he's trying to encourage these guys. And guess what? I'm the creator God, so guess what? You don't have to worry. Whatever's happening, I'm running things. Uh, we'll keep going. Um, Genesis 1 through 11 serves as a background to the, subs- the subsequent story of the patriarchs, and their history is in turn the background to the story of Israel Exodus. Okay? So you got, you got creation, which actually is not about us just simply focusing in on creation, but we will. We'll look at it a little bit. But that's to point us to the patriarchs, which points us to the story of this nation who's going to bless all the nations. You see that? That he's trying to set, he's trying to set, what the Lord is doing is he's setting up this story so we can see how does God create and redeem the whole world and allow the whole world to see that Israel God is the God of the universe and he's your God. That's what he's trying to help us get to. Beautiful epic story. All right, continue on. A couple other things he's trying to do. Check this out. This is just for you guys who are history buffs. Um, a big thing that you'll see in scriptures, he's presenting an alternative worldview to those generally accepted in, uh, in the account of uh, different writings. Uh, and he's challenging ancient assumptions about the nature of God. See, again, guys, you've got to keep in mind, when, um, when the people of God was, when he was writing this and the people of God was going through all this, there's a lot of other people groups, okay? Uh, in fact, there's writings during this time. Uh, there's writings that are arriving in the Bible during this time. Uh, there are some writings that, um, some date um, even probably before 1600 B.C., uh, which, is, which is the writing of what people perceive of Genesis, okay? Mesopotamian writings and things of that sort. I say that because people had crazy warped views of the world. And so one of the things that the, our creator God, the true God, is doing is he's writing and he's trying to, in, a, in such a beautiful way, say, here's how you view the world, here's why that's crazy, Okay? So we're going to look at that in a moment, too. And he's affirming, like, for example, affirmative and optimistic view of existence versus things perfect in God's hand and then growing worse because of man's sinfulness. One of the views was, hey, man, we're, we're all that. Uh, we love existence, and look how good we are. Look, look how, and look how we're just, and we even have that. It's almost recircled today, what we call it now, progressiveness, progressivism, right? People progression like we'll do, we'll continue to get better. It's a big thing. I remember when I was in Orlando, they have like a, it's a small world. Like, I don't know, is it, is it the, the building, is it Epcot Center where they just, it's basically a whole center of progression. Look how we're getting better and better. I mean, it's hilarious. I'm like, man, Disney, you're indoctrinating everybody. It's indoctrination. We're just getting better and better, and we're just going to be so good and so nice. We're going to have all this te- you know, techno- technology, and we're going to just, you know, and it's a small world. Well, it's the same thing that, they, they stole that from these cats, right? And, but God is saying wrong. God is saying, no, 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 no. 
It's not that the world was created out of chaos and then man was so good to make it better. God is saying the world was created perfect in perfect love, and then because man's sinfulness, the world became worse. Very different. Um, all right, few, 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 just, uh, just quick terms, and then we're going to jump right into the scriptures. So primeval, because you'll see this when you're reading. I just want to define a few of these terms. If you're reading um, the Old Testament survey book that, you, that 16 of you guys could have had for free, but only like five or six of y'all grab it. We, I still got nine at my house or something like that. So nine of you guys can have a free Old Testament survey book. It's one of the top five books that we've recommended for you to have. Really encourage you to get a book and buy the book if you don't get the, the, the nine, because it's good for your, for your growth in the Lord. Uh, primeval will be used all the time in these books and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm like, what well, is primeval? So belonging to the first or earliest ages, original, ancient. Primeval basically is just talking about the beginnings. Uh, what was happening way, way, way back, right? So original or ancient. So when you see primeval history, ancient history, long age history is what it's really saying. Um, chiasm. Number of arrangements. You've you got to, um, if, if you're studying the scriptures, chiasms are everywhere, uh, again, people write with great literary intent, very intentional, and they do this to make huge points. A chiasm is our arrangements of elements, right, um, in the form of mirror-like reflection. So, for example, I put this example up here. Amos 5 says, For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, it says, Seek me and live, uh, but do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba. Gilgal will surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to not seek the Lord and live. But do you notice how... Um, the chiasm, what it does, it, it tries to focus on uh, the point here. You see, seek me and live, and then you see both of them saying, but do not seek Bethel, and Bethel shall come to not. And then you see, and do not enter Gilgal. Gilgal will surely go into exile um, or cross over to Beersheba. Uh, so those are, this, is, this is called a chiasm. We're going to see this throughout Scripture where, where they're taking different literary nuances to try to, to, try to focus in on certain points. And we're going to see this in creation where he's focusing in on the days. Now, you guys say, well, what's the point? Sometimes the point usually can be, and that's why you, you do, the, do the homework, it can be the top two um, or the middle many times, okay? Okay. Uh, the big picture of Genesis was that God is the creator God and everything else is created. Okay? See, that means something, family. So everything else is created. And so God's whole point in that is I am the creator. Everything else created, that means everything else should point toward Jesus. Everything else should worship God. And that means we should not worship created things. Okay? People, cars, whatever it is that, has our treasure, that is our treasure. And it also is helping us understand how the world originated and operated. Okay? All right. What I love about... Uh, Genesis, I love about the beginning as we discuss this, is that uh, faith is key for all. Please um, do not be nervous about skeptics or people who do not know Jesus or scientists or whatever. First of all, we have some awesome scientists um, who are believers, by the way. So, yeah, don't be nervous about any of that stuff because guess what? Scientists and us, those who love Jesus, have to have faith. You know why? Because no one was there. No one was there but the Holy Spirit, okay? All right? The triune God was there. So basically what's happening, what's beautiful is the only person that was there is the one who's given us the book to understand what happened. So that's exciting. So that's why you have the truth, right? 
So, what, so just real quick, so what happens is the revelation of the Holy Spirit, right, gives Moses what to write down, and then we get God's truth, okay? That's a good thing, right, family? So don't let people get you all frazzled, you know, when, when unbelievers who don't have a clue what they're talking about uh, try to act like, you know, they're going to back you in the corner because they have to have faith too because no one was there except our king, um, let's jump right in to the scriptures unless there's any questions. Crazy quick overview. I know. The big picture. Everything else. What do I mean by everything else? Like both. Right, right. But they were all created. See, no one created God, but everything else is created. You see that? Nothing else. Okay, like you said, so who created the house? Okay, so the house was created. The house was created. Something else? No, I'm saying no. So, so God's point, here's God's point, is that I'm the only thing, person, that has always existed. Is that not clear? Okay. Well, you, that God is the creator, God, everything else is created. Okay, so everything else is here, and God is other. Okay. All right. Is that okay for everybody? Okay. So, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right. Now, okay, we're going to start off with beginning. So, how old is earth, family? Some of you guys, who, who thinks the earth is... Is a new earth, right? Approximately six to ten thousand years old. All right, all right. We got some new earth people in here. We got no fights. It's all right. Who who thinks the earth is old? Four to five billion years old. I'm in that camp. All right. Now here's the thing. Yeah. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, you know what? And how many of you guys, are, you guys, some of you guys are just kind of like nervous, don't want to tell you, tell me what you think, right? Just, yeah, that's okay. Well, see, well, see that's what we got. We got to get used to being okay with having disagreements. I mean, this, you know, to have this disagreement, even though, you know, young earth people are, are wrong, they still love Jesus. <laughs> they, I'm just joking. Where's my Bible? Okay, so here's the thing. So, um, and, you know, and there's arguments, you know, I mean, just older people say, well, you know, you got the carbon dating, get all this information. And but the newer people say, listen, are you kidding me? God is sovereign. If he wants to, he can make the world mature. He doesn't have to make the world young and then has to grow old. God can say, I'm going to make a tree, a tree now. And it's going to, you, you cut the tree and you look at the bark or whatever. And it's going to have this, you know, this timeline of, of hundreds of years. And, and so God can make things mature. So there's. 
there's definitely different, different nuances to um, either one of these arguments, okay? Uh, I just want to encourage you uh, that that's okay. We can dialogue about this. Um, I personally am old, old earth, and I want you to understand that old earth does not uh, necessarily mean you're macroevolutionist, okay? I'm definitely not a macroevolutionist. We'll talk about that in a moment. But um, we start here by, by saying, what, what does beginning mean? So I'm just going to beginning. So those are a couple of camps you can be in, and, and, and feel free to be in, your, be in a camp and be processing uh, while you're there. That's okay. Um, uh, bear sheet mean, meaning head start or beginning at some point. Here's what the Lord says, guys. Um, we're, we're arguing over young earth and, and new earth, I mean, young earth and old earth. And guess what? The, the, the meaning of the text in itself is saying, like, um, when you see initial period of time, it's like this, this concept of, like, at some point uh, that he just did it. That, uh, and so, so God, God is not trying to answer this question. No. I would propose to you that the Bible is not trying to answer this question. The Bible is trying to answer the question that who created? God. That's the question that God is trying to answer. Is that God wants you to know that the creation had a beginning point and it began through him. That's all he, that's what I would say, that's what Genesis wants you to understand is that the creator God created. And again, one of the main reasons he's doing this is because uh, all the different thoughts of the day were saying that there was you know, either there was chaos, there was all this stuff going on, you know, and then the, the gods had to, like, wrestle down chaos, where God's whole point is that, no, I created out of peace and intentionality and out of love. All right? So, uh, Caleb? That's a Hebrew word. Um, I'm sorry. That's a Hebrew word. Um, the Hebrew word for beginning. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So at some point, I would say at some point, God created, okay? Now, the reason why the beginning point is very important because the cosmological argument is because uh, when, you say, when you say something has time, when you say something began, uh, what, you're, what you're communicating is that there was a starting point, okay? And what's cool about that is there's a starting point, someone had to start it, okay? And the whole point in that is that God started it. Okay, so God is outside of time. He's the only one outside of time. He created all things. He, he starts this time, and then now time begins. So time hasn't always been God, God made time. You, you follow me? See, we, we, see I love, what I love about Genesis, it makes us have to wrestle with, like, how big is God? So time, no, we can't think of time without time. Right? But God is eternal, and then what he does is he makes time. He's always existed. It wasn't that God is just really older than everybody else. That's how we can look at life a little bit. He's just really old, and that's why he's God, because he was like first, kind of. But no, he, he's other. He's so other. Um, let me continue on, please. So in the beginning, God. There are two main names used for God, right? We have, so we're, we're moving forward. We got in the beginning, and then we have God. Okay, two main names for God in the scriptures, um, Yahweh and Elohim. So here he's talking, he's using the word Elohim, okay? Um, this is, yeah, in the Hebrew, in the original Hebrew text. And the reason why I'm parsing this, and, and stick with me, guys, we're going to heat up a little bit. I just want to give us a good framework, a good groundwork before we start busting out the text, okay? Uh, the reason why this is important is because one speaks universally, the other speaks of relationship, 
Because some people say, well, I don't get it. I think this contradictory, you know, it's contradiction because this one says, you know, Yahweh, and this one uses Elohim. What's the point here? And I want to pro- propose to you that when he's discussing creation in a whole, creating the universe, he uses Elohim. And then when he's talking about being God's people, he uses Yahweh. All right? And so, and we do this all the time, Right? Uh, and, I, and I've seen it. I go to other churches to teach or something, and they'll come over and they'll be like, you know, Pastor Eric, and you know, and they'll call me Pastor Eric, and they're very formal. And then, you know, and they'll come visit here, and they're blown away when one of you guys walk up like, "Hey, what's up, E?" You know, and they're like, "Whoa, you called the Pastor Eric E? What's that about?" You know, and it's because we have a personal relationship uh, that we call y'all call me E, um, or feel free to call me. That's no whatever. Uh, but people. In other places, call me Pastor Eric. Uh, in the same way, uh, God has created all things, and in his formal character, in his, in his formal name, uh, is Elohim, but his kids says Yahweh. Okay? Um, another cool thing, too, uh, with the cosmological argument, what, what I love about God, I love in the beginning God, I love that God does not, he's not trying to prove himself. The scriptures assume the existence of God. Don't miss that. And that's why the scriptures talk about in different places, you know, my, one of the famous passages, I believe, is Psalm, Psalm 14, that the fool says in his heart there is no God. Because God is like, really, dude? You look at all this and you're saying there's no God? That I don't exist? So God isn't starting off the scriptures going, let me really prove to you why I'm God. He's like, no, I'm God. Prove me wrong. Burn the proof on you. Yo, move, homie. Um, so as we talk about, so I'm just moving on again. Let me, uh, there are two uh, Hebrew words of God's creating activity. Um, it says, in the beginning, God created, okay? Uh, this is, again, let me just, I know I'm moving fast. Y'all sticking with me, though? Okay, okay, praise the Lord. It says, in the beginning, God created um, the heavens and the earth. Now, I propose to you that verse 1 is a summary of God's full creation. Okay? Again, I'm just going to try to talk you into this. I'm saying that verse 1 is saying when he says God created the heavens and the earth, is that he's talking about like he did, he did the whole deal. Okay? I'm saying that's like the general, that's a general summary. I created everything. So I created people. I did all this stuff. And then verse 2 on is him explaining what he did. So I, so I, and I, and I have a lot of good camp I'm with, so I didn't make this up, you know, with some crayons and last Tuesday. Uh, there are people way before me who was like, this is what, this is what it said. So, and, um, where was I going? Okay, so, with the word create, I want you, I want you to notice something in create. This is another awesome uh, deal how the Lord did this. So you have two words um, when you talk about create. You have bara, um, and you have asa. Okay, now, here he's talking, he uses uh, bara because bara is in the sense of him creating out of nothing. This is a very important doctrine for our youth theologian heads. Very important doctrine, the doctrine of ex nihilo, okay? That means, and the beauty of Jesus is that God did not say, he did not go, oh, here's something, and then I'm going to make something out of it. God created out of nothing. There was nothing. And there was just God, and then he said, I'm going to create. 
And that's what we don't get. See, we've we got we to gotta get our minds, like, ask the Lord to allow you not to see like a human. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you spiritual eyes. Imagine light not existing. Imagine the concept, not just the lights are dark, they're off, but there's no such thing as light. No such thing. It was just God. And he created out of nothing. Ex nihilo. So, so right here you see in verse 1, matter and energy, um, uh, when life comes into existence, um, when human beings are brought into existence, this word is used. Asa is a different kind of word. It's make, but it's more making in the sense of taking what's already here and making it. It's like preparing. Okay? So, so you, you make something out of nothing, or you can prepare something that you've already, like, constructed. So I propose that throughout what we're going to see is there's two aspects. He, he baraz he, he, uh, creation, uh, and then he asas, he prepares the earth for his people. Okay, like this. So now here's why this is important. This is important, family, this is important because microevolution versus macroevolution, right? Please understand something. We are a church that ascribes to microevolution, not macroevolution. What do I mean? Okay. We're saying, you're going to look all throughout Scripture, you're going to see a lot, especially in Genesis 1, where he says uh, he made this in its own kind, okay, on species, okay? So, so we are cool with saying, you know what, um, the, the, the green frog or the pepper moth, you know, or, you know, there's a, there's a cat here, and then if the cat was in, you know, Norway, it'd probably have a little more fur because it's, like, a little colder. All right, cool, I'll give you more fur, homie, you know? Or, or the frog, you know, is green in one area and then, but in another area because of the sun, you know, it's darker or it's, maybe it's lighter to reflect the sun. I'm sorry. Totally cool. Okay. So there's aspects in creation where God has allowed His stuff to sort of germinate and like and, and, and manipulate itself based on its surroundings, its environment. You follow me? Okay. But guess what? A butterfly doesn't become Eric. Okay, even though he does look like a butterfly with the little wing things on his hat, his hat there, it doesn't happen. Or I remember um, uh, a guy I really love listening to, uh, Mark Driscoll says, you know, um, what do you say? A fraud doesn't become a linebacker. You know what I'm saying? So, so God is saying, you know, that, 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 that he creates things in his own kind, his own species. Okay? Uh, a, a cat is not going to become a dolphin. It won't happen. Okay, so 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 what's important about this whole create piece is that God creates all things out of nothing, and He creates them in His own kind, His own speed. So that's why this evolution piece is just crazy. So we we do ascribe uh, to micro, but not macro evolution. Um, all right, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's verse one. I propose again uh, that. Uh, that he's given you a summary of, of what he's done in creation. I created everything. And uh, I believe the word is a myriasm, myriasm, where you, we do it all the time, where you, you talk about something in a scale, and then automatically you're filling in everything else. 
You know, and so it's like he's saying, yeah, I created that too, everything. When I say, when I, say I created heavens and earth, it's like heavens and earth and everything in there kind of deal. Continues on um, and says in Genesis 1, 2, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Um, so what does formless and empty mean? So now I, I propose that he's now telling us, okay, let me give you just some good some certain aspects of what happened uh, during this time. I don't have to, but I'll do it. Um, refers to barren wasteland like a desert, a uh, sense of nothingness. Um, and his point is that God created out of that which did not exist. We see this in Psalm 104. Um, you can write that down and just meditate on the, uh, that, that chapter there where God just talks about the power of his creation and how he's created um, that he's talking about, you know what, I, I, <clears throat> I created, and guess what? Uh, there was nothing. It was formless, and there was, and there was, there was darkness um, over the surface of the deep. And it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I love this. So you have, uh, you have this dark surface, uh, and this whole deep sense again is talking of nothingness. And it says the holy, only the Holy Spirit was here, and he was just sort of hovering over the waters, which I, pro- I propose to you as a retelling of what God is going to do in a new creation, but it will actually be in a new creation, which we'll get into um, probably next week as we look at him creating a man. For sake of time, don't, don't be scared by that. I'm, just going, I'm, fly. I'm not going to go through that. That is just to show you. <laughs> Um, I am a literal six-day creationist. Um, I, I, it seems to me that the scriptures are, are saying that he did this in six days with one day to rest. So that's just my, my position. Uh, there are some people who have gap theories and all this stuff. I think there's holes in some of those arguments. I believe that the Bible is saying that this is a point where he's saying, hey, literal six days, I did this, and there was night and the next day. Um, so God is saying there were six days when God is working and one when he's resting. Uh, now, there's, a, there's this formula that you'll see throughout uh, this, this text here. You can get this again online. And the reason why I did this was just to show you the intentionality of the author. Uh, that there's a, they call it the, the seven standard formula, right, where uh, he, he, gives a, he gives a command, you know, you, he, um, he affirms it. Uh, he does this seven, seven structure um, throughout uh, the days of creation with his creation, uh, which, again, just showing you how intentional he is. And, no, and just real quick, Realize that there's no morning or evening on the seventh day. We'll talk about that in a moment, too, um, in a couple of weeks. So that's just for people who want to get crazy deep into stuff. Okay, so, I'll, so let me explain this real quick. So we can, we get, again, we have to have the context of, of what we're looking at, or at least of what I'm trying to talk you into. Um, <clears throat> Genesis, I propose to you, if you take my position where he, he's given a... Um, He's given a summary in verse 1, and then he's sort of breaking it down in, in the next days. But notice what he does in the days. I want to propose to you that he talks about, he talks about uh, the same creation twice. Uh, and what he does in the first time, he makes things. And in the second aspect, he fills them. And then he rests. Uh, this is my position. Uh, again, there's, um, this is probably the position of... of, of of ancient history, I mean, I'm, I would say uh, Augustus does not agree. So, if you're into Augustine, then go kick it with him. And um, 
But may, so, so let me give you an example. So, so day one, two, and three, I, just wanted, I wanted to show it like this because I felt if we actually just went through the verses, it would just mess everybody up, you know, just walking you back and forth. So basically what we see in day one, he creates space, right? He creates um, light, um, and then he divided uh, from darkness. Let me see here real quick. Because then God said in verse 3, it says, and let there be light. Now, now, now. Here's the thing. I'm proposing that what he does is he says, let there be light. But people say, well, wait a minute now. But then you got in day four is when he creates the sun. So how does he how does he create light when he creates the sun in day four? Well, see, I propose that, it's, in my opinion, we're, we're looking at it again from a perspective of, of like, no, like light always really existed. And then God made the sun or something or but but no, I'm, I'm proposing light didn't exist. That, that in day one, he actually created light. And then what day four is, is him creating things that radiate the light. That light didn't exist. So, okay, so you have, he creates, he creates light, creates, and then on day two, he creates, um, he makes the sky and the sea. Day three, he makes the land. And then what happens in day four, what he does and again, this is um, way normal. This is what people, theologians, highly are taught on this on this on this theological view. He fills um, the space with the sun, the moon, the stars, and then he fills the sky and the sea uh, with creatures, and then he fills the land uh, with with um, with man, and then he rests on the seventh day. Yish. Uh, uh-oh. So God I actually do. Um, I propose, and, and again, I, hopefully as we go on, oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, Caroline is saying, if, he, if God is God, why did he take six days to create and one day to rest? Why does God have to rest? Why did he do this? Why couldn't he have just done all this in one day and said, I'm through, basically? Great question. I propose he didn't do it because of his capacity. He did it because of modeling. I propose God is so loving and caring about us that the way he creates the earth is for us. The way he shapes the grass is for us. The way he allows us to rule over the animals. He gives us animals that we can actually rule over. The way, everything he does, he does because he's such a good and loving guy. And even he is so intentional about us he gives us a night because he wants us to sleep. And he gives us a day. And he begins to create things because of his love and care for us. I get all emotional when I think about this. And even the days of the week. He could have done it in a day, but he thought, you know what? I could do it in a day, but you can't. So what I'll do is I'm going to model what I want you to be about. I'm going to have six days where you work, and I want you to rest. Will you do what I do? I propose that's why he did it like this to model to us how to live life on earth. Um, okay, I thought I would get too many days, but I guess I won't. Um, well, I hope you encourage, guys. Uh, here, here's, and I'm going to share this a couple, a couple times. Man, I wish I could have got to the end because I, this, has a, this has a good, there's a good pop at the end where God is trying to, trying to, trying to say something to us. And one of the biggest things he's trying to say out of creation is he's saying, if I'm the creator God, 
and I love you, and I care for you to do that, to create, even do things that I don't even have to do. But I'll do them because I want to model to you what I want you to be about. If I'm that loving and that intentional, then why do you go through life without purpose? Why do you go through life without joy? Why do you go through life passive? Why do you go through life not waking up going, this is the day the Lord has made. He has created me. He has blessed me. Why do we go through life saying, here's what I'm supposed to have. Why don't I have this? Why do we go through life and not say, look what God has done for me. Look what he's done in creation. Why do we go through life without joy, not enjoying God's creation when he's made it for you and me? He's saying that, man, because of this, we should have hope. No one created in God's image should have their head down when they're made by the king who created everything. It should change our life. He said our perspective should change. We should be going to school knowing, man, God has blessed me to try and be a doctor one day. This is a blessing. Whatever your job is, he's saying we should be now saying, wow, look what the Lord has done in my life. And we walk around and we worship creation and we balk at God's creation. He's beautiful. Genesis 1 is about raising our view of God. It's about saying, whoa, he did that and he's my king. That's what this is about, family. We're going to think about it. We're going to pause right now, and we're going to take tithe and offering, and we're going to do communion, family. And I'm telling you, God's heart is for us to understand that he's a creator God, and he's done all of this for our delight and his worship. When are you and me going to get into our heads that the Lord wants us to delight. He wants us to enjoy his creation. Hey, as we uh, take tithes and offering, if you're new here, please keep your purses to your side, your wallets to your side. We're not trying to get people's money out of compulsion. This is an act of worship. If you are a MacAver, you understand that. Please worship your king by giving to your king. Um, If you are new but you love Jesus and you understand that this is an act of worship,